Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. I think I'm going to start using a little more music or make some introductory background because I kind of feel boring after a while. But this is what I do. Anyway, I am really, really excited about today's episode because today's wonderful Women Wednesday is a person that we're going to hear more about her in the upcoming weeks. And the reason why I'm saying that is this person we're going to celebrate. I'm just going to give you a little background about who she is. And then I'm going to tell you why I think we're going to hear from her. She was educated at Lehman College where she got her BA. She got her JD at Howard University. H-U, or as we say, H-U, those who are familiar with Howard, they know what that means. And she got her P, I mean, excuse me, MPA at Columbia University. She's an American lawyer, activist, and politician. She's a member of the Democratic Party and the current Attorney General of New York. Having won the 2000, excuse me, 2018 election to succeed appointed Attorney General Barbara Underwood, she is the first African American and the first woman to be elected to the position. So let's talk about how she got there. She previously served for a decade as a member of the New York City Council. She represented the 35th Council District. She chaired the Economic Development and Sanitation Committees and served on several other committees. She was later elected, not appointed, to the New York City Public Advocate in 2013. Born and raised in Brooklyn. You know... I just have to say this before I even finish reading about her. This is New York, New York, New York, if I ever saw one. Okay, I'm going to continue. As an assistant attorney general, she first ran for city council and won on the Working Families Party ballot line. I have no idea what that is. Those from New York probably know, and those who are not and are interested in knowing, go uh, Google it and see see exactly what that means. Well, she has many firsts on her resume. Let me just kind of read just a little bit, because I want you to know her background, because a lot of people are judging her on the color of her skin, but I want to read her background so you can understand that she's earned everything. When she was elected New York Attorney General in 2019, she became the first woman of color to hold statewide office and the first woman elected to that position in New York. In 2013, as a public advocate for the city of New York, she was the first woman of color to hold citywide office. As Attorney General, she is busy on many fronts. 
she chose now this is bold because we know how powerful powerful the nra is she filed charges in august against the nra for alleged financial misdeeds in september her office's motion compelled eric trump to testify in, in an investigation of the trump organization's finances that same month she reached a settlement with duncan brands inc for failing to protect cyber attacked consumers I'm guessing that's Dunkin' Donut, maybe. Hmm. She spoke to uh, this magazine and she did an interview. And I really want to just point out some of the questions. And the name of, well, I, I don't know if it's a magazine or not, but I found them online. And the name of the. Uh, website I found was Mary Claire. I'm not familiar with Mary Claire, but I thought I heard of it before as a magazine, and I could be wrong. I'm just talking. But she was asked a couple questions by Mary Claire, and I kind of wanted to read a few of them so you can really understand why she's doing what she's doing, why she decided to go to law school, and all the things that shapes who this young lady is. Now, in case you haven't figured it out by now, it is Letitia James, who is the African-American female attorney general in New York. Mary Claire asked, did you always want to go in the public service? And she responded, I read a book called Simple Justice, the history of Brown versus Board of Education and Black America's struggle for equality a Richard Kluger. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now this is her quote. This is me reading her response. And I knew that I wanted to walk the halls where Thurgood Marshall and others walked when they were focusing on the civil rights movement. Howard University is the laboratory for the civil rights movement. And I wanted to learn more about all of those who were involved in this manly government sponsored segregation in this country. As a teenager, my brother was falsely accused of a crime and my mom took me to criminal court in Brooklyn. I remember all the individuals who were in the pews in the courtroom were people who looked like me. But everyone else in a position of power from the judge to the lawyers to the court officers did not. And I can recall an officer being very disrespectful to my mom and to others who simply asked about their loved ones. They were told basically to sit down and shut up. I vowed at that moment that I would never allow another mother, grandmother, father, or grandfather to be disrespected in that manner. You go, girl. Yes. And so then she was asked, you mentioned Thurgood Marshall and the Civil Rights Pantheon. Who else was a role model for you? She responded, Representative Barbara Jordan. And those who don't know who Barbara Jordan is, she was an African-American Democrat out of the state of Texas. She was a representative. She goes on to say she was a member of the House Judiciary Committee and spoke at the impeachment hearing of Richard Nixon. Mm, look at that. I remember her, though, uh, Barbara Jordan. I'll always recall when she gave a speech to the effect that she's not going to sit 
idly by and allow the Constitution to be subverted. And that certainly applies today. Whoa. Hint, hint. Guess who she's talking about? Guess who Richard Nixon's impeachment and him being allowed to resign? <laughs> uh, guess who is being compared to? Isn't that interesting? Then they ask her, you probably meet a lot of young people. How are you feeling about their sense of social responsibility? That's a very good question. And here's her respond. Her response. I'm uplifted by young people because all the change that has happened all throughout history was not something that was initiated by politicians, but by young people. Amen. Amen. Amen, young people. Look at the, you know, let me just interrupt her uh, response by saying, look at, I am so proud. And I said this to a lot of friends when they started marching, you know, after George Floyd got killed, it was a lot of young people. And I was so proud and, and you know, especially and, and, and not just Black Lives Matters, but everybody, you know, Black Lives Matter got it off and running and popping and bravo. And um, but you had the other races coming in. And, you know, when I look at some of the young people now, of course, there's discrimination big time in America. But I watch how some of the young people are interracial uh, groups. It's not. I mean, there's, of course, all black and all white, all Asian, all whatever uh, nationality groups. But I watch the younger people like the college age teenagers and they they have a lot of friends of, of I mean, look at even celebrities, marriages and, you know, and, and so that's inspiring that hopefully that the younger generation will somehow calm down all this crazy racism and the hatred and division and I was so proud to see the young people up and, and, and marching. So I just want, that's just my two cents. I just wanted to say bravo to the young people. But let me finish her question when she was saying about the young people. So from the civil rights movement to the suffrage movement to thinking about all those calling for democracy in foreign lands and the whole Barack Obama experiment. When I didn't even know his name, it was young people who educated me about Barack Obama. In fact, I endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2008. And I can recall the kids coming to my house and trying to convince me that I was on the wrong side of history. And then they marched. See, that's what I'm talking about. And then the night that he won... In my neighborhood in Brooklyn, the streets were filled with kids and young people celebrating the historic ele election. See, look at that. You go, young people. Then she says, the defund hashtag. I don't know who came up with it, but it slipped up. It's more about reprioritizing the role of police. And I agree. I, you know, I've heard other people say it, but I've been saying it. The word defund makes it sound a lot worse than what we probably mean. No, than what I mean anyway. Because like a lot of people, we don't want to be in a situation where we can't call the police if we had some, some, somebody break into your house. I mean, if you don't kill them or whatever. 
you call the police if something happens, somebody rob you. You call. I mean, you do a police report for a car accident. So I, I, I don't think. I think she's right. I think the hashtag, as she said, defund, kind of make people think worse than what it is. I agree. Reprioritizing the role of the police. I think that's an excellent way of saying it. And she says, and that's really what we should be focusing on. And I agree. And they ask her, what would you say to people who say that you have a biased political agenda against the Republicans or against Trump and his family? Oh, that's a good question. Her response, I would say my office follows the facts and applies the law and we come to a conclusion. I'm not biased. I represent the state. All individuals, all citizens in the state of New York, whether you're Republican or Democrat, that is my duty and that is the mission and that is the sworn oath that I took. Often cases just fall in my lap and I follow the social media. And so in regards to the NRA, it was a testimony of one individual that was on the front page of every newspaper, which basically recounted conduct within an organization that was in violation of the not-for-profit law. I have a responsibility and a duty to investigate that. In regards to the Trump organization, again, it was Michael Cohen who testified before Congress and who indicated that, in fact, the Trump organization was engaging in financial and proprieties. Wow, this is going to be interesting after January 20th. I'm just going to read a few more questions because I thought this interview was right on point. Okay, uh, the next question was, what do you think it means for women to see Kamala Harris where she is? Her response is, she is a former DA, former attorney general, a United States senator, and now the first African-American slash Asian vice president-elect. Certainly she's breaking glass ceilings, as she has done before. And as a proud graduate of Howard University, HU, uh, see, that's cool. They got that in common. And as the second African-American state attorney general after Kamala, see, look at that. Look at that similarity. We have a lot in common. Yes, they do. Given her abilities to question individuals and her keen sense of speaking truth to power, she is well suited to be our vice president. And I think what it says to young girls and young boys is that we can do it all and that there are no limitations. The only limitations are the limits that we place on ourselves. The next question was, do you see yourself running for even higher office at some point? She said, I am happy being the attorney general of the great state of New York. I wake up every single day with this fire in my belly. See, she loves her job and she ain't trying to be playing with people. And she's not going to let them disrespect her because she's a black female. Bravo, Attorney General James. And the final question was that I'm, I mean, there was more, but I don't want to bore you all with her interview, but I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to learn who she is and how she thinks. The final question was that I'm reading, why is gender discrimination something important to you? Is there any specific personal aspect to that? 
And she responds, I believe in equal pay for equal work. And as the former public advocate of the city of New York, who passed the bill in New York City that led to a law across New York State that would ban salary history. I'm really proud of that. And the reason why it's so important to me is because I don't view it as a woman issue. It's an economic development issue. It's a GDP issue. And so when you limit the ability of women to take as much as they're worth, then that affects the viability of families. Wow. I'm glad I, I, I just accidentally came up on this. I'm glad I saw that article because I thought it was really cool. And, um, you know, I'm like I said, my whole point is to introduce the world to her because you can right hear a lot about her. And I know a lot of people will feel she's not qualified to be attorney general, unfortunately, because she's a black female, but she's very qualified. And I just want to read just a little bit more about her. And then I want to play a uh, interview. She was talking about what's going to happen when Donald Trump becomes a private citizen. And it was really interesting what she had to say. But let me just read just a little more about Miss James. She served as a public defender for the Legal Aid Society and established the Urban Network, which is a coalition of African-American professional organizations aimed at providing scholarships for young people. See, look at that. Trying to give back. In 1994, she promoted the primary health care development bill and the city council, which expanded daycare resources for working families across the city. See, that's why I wanted to read this so people would know she's not just a lawyer term uh, AG. She's trying to do things positive in the city in which she grew up. In 1996, she negotiated the Welfare Reform Act on behalf of the New York State Black and Puerto Rican Caucus. She served on former New York Governor Mario Como's task force on diversity in the judiciary. Because I know being in the legal field for over 30 years, the legal system is extremely non-diverse. Like, uh, I was doing some research on statistics for for a project, and uh, 90% of the legal system is considered white male. So that tells you how diverse the legal system is. She served as counsel for Albert Van, chief of staff for Roger L. Green in the New York State Assembly and in the administration of New York Attorney General Elliot Spitzer. She was appointed the first assistant attorney general in charge of the Brooklyn Regional Office in 1999. While working in that position, she worked in many capacities, but notably focused on consumer complaints involving predatory lending and other unlawful business practices. This woman is extremely diverse because predatory lending, that is, mm, in Georgia, at one point, DeKalb County in Georgia, you can go look it up, was the number one county in the United States for predatory lending. Ooh, I could do a whole episode on that and some of my friends who were caught up in it. It was just shameful that that was even allowed to be done. So bravo to her. You know... As I said, when 
the president of the United States, Donald Trump, is a private citizen next week. It is going to be wee, literally a week from today, January 20th, next Wednesday, he will be a private citizen. And it sounds like she is waiting on him. <laughs> she said he can't avoid justice even if he finagles a pardon. She's leading a civil investigation into his family finances. She indicated that even if he finds a way to receive a pardon for the federal charges he's facing, he's still liable to face charges for state crimes in New York. I want to just quote something and then I'm going to let you guys listen to her in her, in her own words where she was uh, on CNN with Erin Burnett. But I just want to quote something she says. She says, The president can preemptively pardon individuals and a vast majority of legal scholars have indicated that he cannot pardon himself. Now, she said that on The View. She continues to say what he could do is step down and allow the vice president, Vice President Pence, to pardon him. She go on and says, I suspect at some point in time, he will step down and allow the vice president to pardon him. <laughs> she added later in the interview, and that was on The View. Now, the funny thing is, as you know, today, Wednesday, they are voting to impeach him. And they also would love for Mike Pence <laughs> to let them deal with the 25th Amendment. I was doing research about this whole situation and it says, you know, impeachment, impeaching him might be the appropriate remedy and using impeachment to remove him from office will bar him from running for president ever again. And I think that's why, you know, people are saying impeachment is going to take too long. Don't worry about it right now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he was already impeached, but he wasn't removed by the Senate. Some of the senators are saying they're going to vote for the impeachment. And they may do it by the time today, by the time you hear this. But um, it explains why they still want to do the impeachment. Because they don't want him to be able to run again in 2024. Now, everybody say impeachment takes time. And it might not pass. So the 25th Amendment, which has periodically been discussed as a means of last resort to remove a rogue or incapacitated president, would be a faster route. You know, I was asking the question, I just kind of asked Google, what would it require? And a whole bunch came up, but I'm just going to give you a first sentence and it says the forcibly rest power from Trump Pence would have to be on board according to the text of the amendment Pence would also need either a majority of Trump's cabinet officials to agree the president is unfit for office 
and temporarily seize power from him. You know, I was talking to a few people about that. You notice that all these cabinet people are all of a sudden resigning. And the funny thing about all that is, we're, I mean, they've been doing this for four years. So I think I heard someone say this in a conversation and I think they may be right. And they were saying that they think the cabinets were resigning so they wouldn't be asked to be a part of the impeachment. Because as I just read, they need a majority of his cabinet to consider him unfit. And as someone was saying, you know, I'll be having conversations with all kind of people that if that's true, that's a punk move because you don't want to get your hands dirty, but your hands been dirty for four years. Okay. That's all I got to say, but I want you guys to hear attorney general James in her own words. And like I said, this was a month ago, but what she's saying is still relevant because it's talking about what's going to happen when next week he becomes a private citizen. Woman who may be Trump's biggest threat when he leaves office, I'm talking about the Attorney General of New York, Democrat Letitia James. She is leading a civil probe of the Trump Organization right now, which is clearly on Trump's mind. He has singled out the Attorney General by name in his 46-minute-long rant about election fraud. Yesterday saying in part, I hear that these same people that failed to get me in Washington have sent every piece of information to New York so they can try to get me there. And all, and all it's been is a big investigation in Washington and New York and any place else they can investigate because that's what they want to do. They want to take not uh, want to take not me, but us down. And we can never let them do that. Well, the Attorney General is out front. Attorney General James, I appreciate your time and thank you very much tonight. So we know President Trump has held talks about issuing preemptive pardons for himself and for his family, for his adult children, for his son-in-law. I just want to be clear, though, so everyone understands, that would protect him federally, but it would not protect him from anything you're investigating, correct? Well, first, Aaron, thank you for having me this evening. And I want the American people to know um, that the days of this administration are closely coming to an end. And last year, um, I introduced a bill to the New York State Legislature to close a pardon loophole. Um, and currently, uh, there is nothing in uh, the law in the state of New York that would preclude uh, a investigation by local and state authorities against the Trump Organization, um, Donald Trump, and or any other member of his family and or associates or business partners. There's nothing preventing um, our investigation from going forward um, against Donald Trump as a private citizen. Okay, so, so now the big question will come. If he goes ahead with these pardons, does that mean that you need to do even more investigating? Does it influence your decision about whether to pursue you know, criminal law violations because you're going to be the only one, you know, Really, who, who can, right? The feds can. Well, as you know, there is a criminal investigation that's currently being conducted by the Manhattan District Attorney, Mr. Cy Vance. Our investigation, for the most part, is civil. And so our investigation will continue um, when Mr. Trump becomes a private citizen. Nothing will preclude our investigation going forward, and we will uh, continue and, uh, um, and continue to investigate. Um, and if, in fact, the facts and the evidence uh, support the law, we will 
will bring an action against the Trump Organization and um, individuals uh, um, as well. And, and let me ask you that about individuals. And I know, obviously, as you mentioned, it's, it's civil thus far for your investigation. Um, Mr. Vance is, is, is criminal. Is it possible from what you've seen, Attorney General James, that there could be evidence of wrongdoing that would lead to um, civil or criminal charges for, for individuals, for President Trump, for his children? What I can say, Erin, is the following, um, and this is all public record. Our investigation is based on the testimony of Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen testified before Congress, and we at the New York State Attorney General has broad investigatory powers over illegality and fraud. And what we are investigating is the fact that the Trump Organization inflated their assets for the purposes of obtaining loans and insurance coverage and deflated their assets for the same assets assets for the purposes of avoiding and evading um, tax liability and or limiting it. And so our investigation will be ongoing um, and um, at this point in time, because it is um, an active investigation, um, I'm limited in all that I can say. Right, which I understand. So let me let me ask you, you, you heard the president, um, well, I quoted the president, um, claiming that he has been told that all of the evidence that was part of investigations in Washington into him has now been sent to New York, right? He says with the intent of trying to get him. That, that's how he sees it. Um, but but is that true? And and as part of that, are you and Mr. Vance, you know, communicating regularly and and on the same page about what you're doing? So it would be unethical and illegal to coordinate with the district attorney of Manhattan. There is no coordination. And what we heard yesterday was 46 minutes of ranting, 46 minutes filled with misinformation, disinformation, and outright falsehoods. It, was, it represented a complete meltdown. And that's rather unfortunate. The reality is that our investigations, again, are based on the facts, the evidence, and the law. And politics ends and stops at the door. Well, well, well. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind that that is when she was talking a month ago. So, imagine... Oh, that's getting ready to happen next week. <laughs> A week from the day she is ready. <laughs> so I just want to introduce this amazing woman to the public because you're getting ready to hear a lot about her. And I found it was important to let people know that she is about trying to do what's right, deal with facts, and also does things for the community. She's fighting for justice and equality. She's not just an attorney that is just trying to uh, be the powerful woman of New York. She has shown, from what I've read about her, a lot of uh, pride and dignity and respect. And I think that we should just say in advance, bravo, Bravo, Attorney General James, because I think you're getting ready to do your stuff, honey. And I'm sorry, no disrespect with the word, honey, but I know you're getting ready to do your, your thing, and we're going to be standing back. And I just, uh, just want to say thank you for having the guts, because, you know, this has been a bully for years and will continue to be a bully. And I'm glad that you decided to not back down. So, 
I hope you guys enjoyed learning about this amazing, wonderful woman. And I hope that you tune in to the next episode on Friday. And as always, I appreciate you. I tell your friends and check out the previous 60 plus episodes. And I just want to say I appreciate you. So please follow us. Follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. If you have any questions or comments or any subjects you want us to look into or talk about, give us a call at 404-855-7723. And you can always send us an email at Podcast Host, Shea 19 and that's all small letters at gmail.com and remember we're on all the podcast apps you can put us in as Shay Pate to get the episodes or you can put in ladies promoting transparent advocacy and don't forget we are always open to suggestions and topics so definitely check us out follow us and we look forward to talking to you on Friday And I like to end all of my episodes with the favorite question. What do you have to say? Thank you for listening.